Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Well, greetings, Edgewood. Good morning. This is the fourth attempt at recording this sermon message devotional. This isn't ideal, is it? This is not my favorite way to do church. Let's pray. Ask that God would bless this time that we have and then we'll go from there. Heavenly Father, I'm genuinely asking you now, Lord, to to give me the ability to talk through this passage of Scripture. Lord, I know that as I'm recording this, I know that nobody's hearing it at this moment, but God, I do ask that when it's listened to, um, once this is posted, God, I ask that it would be a blessing um, as we look at your word. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, studying 1 Thessalonians. This will be an introductory session, which means, for those of you that know me, a lot of information up front, a little bit of an excursion into 1 Thessalonians, followed by a a bit of an application, and that's all we're going to do today. Uh, You might be wondering why 1 Thessalonians... Let me dig into this, and I, I hope you understand. Uh, all right, so First Thessalonians, subtitle: Jesus is coming. Uh, this is a a working subtitle. I don't know if that subtitle will remain. Uh, I have got some reasons for that, but we'll get into that in just a moment. The author uh, author is Paul, uh, the apostle. You probably knew that. Uh, there are co-senders, Silvanus, um, which is actually Silas and Timothy are co-senders. Um, that is the author. Uh, the date of this, AD 49 to 51, that may not mean a whole lot to you, but considering that means that we're only talking, um, let's see here, what, 16 to 20 years after the time of, of Christ, uh, his death, burial, and resurrection. So we're not talking about a huge, long time. Uh, so most scholars believe it's this time. It's uh, during uh, Paul's second missionary journey, um, and it's early in Paul's 18-month stay in Corinth. And so I believe I've got a map. Um, <clears throat> my first attempts still up there. Uh, we know that Jerusalem down behind my head right here. <clears throat> Jerusalem's down there. Antioch is the starting point for Paul's missionary journeys. He's made it through most of Turkey. Somewhere in this area, he has a call that's called the Macedonian call. I don't know if you remember that or not, but he has a vision of a man saying, come, help us. Uh, he goes to Macedonia First places he hits there, um, Philippi, 
but then we see him going to Thessalonica, the city of Thessalonica. So this is uh, where the letter is written to the people that live in this city. Um, it, we believe it's written from Corinth. So not too long after he leaves there, he ends up traveling down. Athens is here into Corinth. And once he is in Corinth, uh, it's during that time that he's there that he actually writes a letter to the Thessalonians. Uh, what this means is that um, this letter to the Thessalonians is one of the earliest Christian letters that we have. I mean, it's one of the first ones. Uh, this is literally one of the first, I think there's only, the only uh, he, Paul may have written Galatians before this, but this is one of the very first pieces of New Testament writing that we have. The only other books of the Bible that were possibly written before uh, First Thessalonians are James, uh, the, the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, Galatians, like I said, Galatians, possibly. Okay, uh, let me get to the next slide here. The theme. Theme is the second coming of Jesus. <clears throat> Mentioned in every chapter of this book. Um, and so I have a list here. So if you wanted to pause, you could look those up. Um, <clears throat> so in chapter 1, verse 10, and chapter 2, 19 and 20, and chapter 3, verse 13, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, chapter 5, and these places... Uh, the second coming of Christ is discussed. And I know that with recent events, some of you are thinking about this very thing. And so maybe you're starting to see why I've picked this book. Uh, the uh, Thessalonians were concerned about Jesus's return uh, in light of what they were going through. Okay. Now, I'll pause for a minute. Take a little bit of a rabbit trail, if you don't mind. Uh, in this rabbit show, I'm going to talk about <laughs> uh, uh, <clears throat> empty church concerns. Uh, here's our church here. Got some concerns. I mean, these are tough times. I'm genuinely worried, not um, for the reasons that maybe many are worried. I'm not worried about death or sickness. Not worried about the economic upheaval that we're going through. I mean, these are concerning things, but that's not what has me worried. I'm not worried about um, <clears throat> or thinking that there's some big conspiracy going on. Uh, I'm not worried or concerned that this is the end. Um, like, oh man, this is the end. We're at the end. I'm not. Uh, I'm not there. Um, but. Um, and I've been saying this for years. I've known this personally. I've seen it happen again and again. Uh, I've seen it happen both directly and indirectly. Absence from Christian fellowship can be destructive. Uh, I put these points here. I'm sure you might have been reading them. Missing church is a negative impact on the church. Missing church is a negative impact on the local church, so the church uh, at large, uh, but also the, the local church like us, Edgewood, um, has a negative impact on God's people. Now, <clears throat> I know that some of you are going to correct me and, and um, you know, you're going to say, hey, you know, but God is in the absolute, okay. Uh, but I don't have a problem because the Bible does not have a problem speaking about the warnings and the cautions of not falling away. 
being away from church, if I may just be blunt, being away from church is not good for most, if not all of us. Uh, being away from that fellowship, being away from regular preaching of the word, being away from these things is not good, and it's not a good thing. So, <clears throat> uh, I've got concerns. But I'm going to tell you right now, we can do this. We can do this. Uh, and I don't mean just survive the virus. We can do this. Edgewood can survive. Um, God's people will survive. And uh, <clears throat> this is what many are, are not necessarily talking about. They're talking about, um, oh, we got to pull together to survive this virus. We've got to pull together to survive this, this, this. Um, I don't want a single one of you that see this, the ones that don't have access and aren't seeing this, same thing. I don't want a single one of you to fall away. Um, I don't want a single one of you to perish because of the virus, obviously. But um, I'm becoming increasingly concerned that some of you might fall away because of a lack of fellowship in the body of Christ. And so... I know it's easy. There's there's a lot of people that have come to Edgewood over the years, and after missing a few times um, in a row, it, it's tough to come back. It feels that way. You get into the the ease of it. Now, I hope we don't lose. I hope we don't lose that. All right, off the rabbit trail. Some things about First Thessalonians. Back to the <clears throat> the book. Let's see, what have I said so far? Um, these Thessalonians, uh, I haven't mentioned this yet, but they're young in the faith. I mean, if Paul just planted that church in Thessalonica, and then literally months after that, he's writing this letter to them. This is a young church, so the church uh, had not been started that long ago. This is like us, Edgewood. I know the Edgewood, we've been around for a while, but uh, I know a lot of you are new to uh, the whole Christianity church thing. And so I, I think these Thessalonians would probably remind us of us a little bit. Um, they're suffering. Now, we aren't uh, being persecuted the way we typically think about persecution. Um, but I do think times, man, times are hard right now. This is there, There's some tough, difficult things that our country, that our world are going, is going through. And uh, I think things are tough. Um, so I think that we would get that. Um, that's sort of like us. Uh, they're looking at Jesus coming. That's what the Thessalonians were doing. I, I feel like a lot of you, that's what you're thinking about. Um, some of you have even asked me. Um, but for them, they were thinking, is it worth it? That's what the Thessalonians were thinking. Is it worth it? Is it worth I mean, we're doing this. They, they didn't have hardly any detail about what was coming. And so we want to know what's going to happen. Uh, in fact, as we get into the book, you'll see that some of them had perished, died physically, and they were concerned. What what does that mean? Okay, I mean, consider if you didn't have the New Testament to be able to look at, you might be going, "What's what's this mean?" Okay, uh, <clears throat> like I said, they're recipients of one of the first letters ever written. And I've learned that these letters, and I believe this more and more each time I study and the different commentaries I dig into, and my buddy Ben Witherington, he's got a First Thessalonians uh, commentary. Um, I've learned that these letters are meant to be read. Paul did not have the technology to get a message to his young Thessalonian church like we do, right? I mean, we've got, here I am, I'm 
video recording a message and sending it off to you through the internet, right? Uh, Paul did not have that. What he did have was the ability to write a letter that was a sermon and send it. And then somebody would read it to them. These letters were meant to be read. Only I've heard that only 10% of the population in that, de- that time period could read. And so the, these things were meant to be listened to. And so this reminds me of what we're doing even right now. All right. So uh, I'm going to go back to Acts. Um, You may remember we were in Acts just not that long ago studying Acts. just want to go through this real quick to talk about um, just some background of this Thessalonian people. Uh, Acts chapter 17, uh, verse 1 says, Now when they had passed through in... uh, Philippus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. So back to the map, here's a little bit closer view. So they had left over here. Paul had had his, his calling. Um, let's see here. Let me go this guy. Paul had had a calling over here uh, in Macedonia, but he has now traveled, what did it say, Epiphilus, Apollonia. Um, now notice this in Ignatian Way. This is a major road that went through Thessalonia, uh, or through Thessalonica. Thessalonica was also a port city um, in this nice bay. So there was a port here. There was a major road. There was also a major road that went um, from here and actually went up this way, and they don't have it on this particular map, um, to these lands that were up here, which weren't as civilized or known but um, this was like a major crossroads. Thessalonica was a, a pretty major city in Paul's time. Um, it's guessed that they may have had 200,000 people living in Thessalonica. It would have been a big city. Lots of trade, very diverse. No one central belief system. There were Jews, there were Greeks, there were Romans, and so on. Okay. Next verse, verses 2 and 3. And Paul went in, as was his custom, uh, talking about that Jewish synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, so about three weeks in a row, he reasoned with them. And I think that this is a nice little uh, reminder of when I preached through this in Acts. Um, talked about this. Reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving uh, that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. He reasoned with them from the scriptures so this threefold approach that Paul had explaining reasoning with them explaining and proving these things to them um, you could probably get back and listen to that message uh, in Acts uh, verse or yeah verse 4 and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women uh, meaning of the city and so we've got uh, all different sorts of people. We've got the Jews, but then we have the Greeks. We've got these leading women of the city, so some prominent, important people of the city. But the Jews became jealous. They were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble. They formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, uh, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. Uh, and when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar. And we get this one thing that they say, their major portion against them. 
saying that there is another king, King Jesus, right? There's another king, Jesus. And so this is their big complaint with these Christians is that they have a higher authority than um, Caesar. And this is one of the things that has them in an uproar. Um, <clears throat> people of the city uh, and the uh, and the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. When they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. And so there was think about this like as bail, possibly um, different ideas of what this could be. Um, but they did let these brothers go. Now the brothers, verse 10, immediately, this is kind of important for later, and this is why I read this. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas, and um, Timothy, I don't believe, was with them at the time. Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. So they're off to the next thing. So they're, they're rushed off suddenly. Okay? So the fellowship that was being built was cut off quickly. Um, now... This plays into what we think about when we hear the Thessalonians. And so let me jump over to 1 Thessalonians now. Uh, and I'm going to jump a little bit ahead of where I want to talk about, but I think it's a great verse to mention. Uh, chapter 2, verse 17 says this. <clears throat> Paul says, But since we were torn away from you, now we just read that in Acts, didn't we? That's exactly what happened. Uh, since you were torn away from you, brothers, uh, for a short time in person, not in heart, I think this, I feel um, torn away from you, Edgewood. Um, I mean, one Sunday we're together, next Sunday we're not, haven't been back. Um, I just read this and I, I thought of all of you. Uh, since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, and it will be a short time. And I love that he throws in there, in person, not in heart. Um, I wish there was more to do, or more that I could do to demonstrate this to you, that even though we're not together in person, I hope that you still feel as though we are together in heart. Um, for Paul, since they were torn away from him, he says that they endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Um, once again, I, I read that and I thought of you, Edgewood. Um, if you're not a part of Edgewood and you're listening to this sermon, <clears throat> I want you to know that that is such an important element of our fellowship. Um, if you do go to church somewhere else, you know that. If you go to a good church, you know uh, that face-to-face -face element and this desire. And so we have this. We have this. Paul wasn't able to, to give into this. In fact, Paul says uh, again and again, I, I wanted to come to you again and again. Uh, but Satan hindered us. And I, I feel like that's exactly where we're at. We are being hindered. Um, don't read too much into that. I'm not saying that Satan has some big scheme he's pulling off here and not letting us get together or what, whatever. I, but I'm also not going to say that he's not involved. There is 
and a a attack on our fellowship, even if these things aren't directed at the church, this does make fellowship difficult. So I hear this. This all seems familiar to me when I read these words of Paul. Um, He says next, he says, uh, for what is our hope? Um, What is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? So when Jesus comes, so this is this is for Paul. What's true? He says, "What is our our hope, or our our joy, or uh, this crown of boasting?" On yes, this is this is this is what I'm looking forward to. Is what Paul says. This is what I'm hoping for. This is this is my joy. This is my crown of boasting before our Lord. When right now. I think there's a right now element, but he specifically says this before our Lord Jesus at his coming. So Paul is saying, when I get back, when, when Christ comes back and I'm, I'm before him, what's my hope? What's my joy? What's my crown of boasting? Paul says, is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. I always got this to a degree with Paul. But I get it now more and more with you, Edgewood. You are... my glory, my joy. You are the the crown of my boasting when when I get before Christ. This is the church. God that you gave me that that I've I've ministered in. Um I don't get any credit. It's all his. But to be given the privilege to be a part of a church like Edgewood is, is such a joy, um, but not for, and this is why I'm bringing this up, not just for now, but for eternity. That's what it is. The things that you do as a part of Edgewood, as a part of God's people, as a part of church, have eternal implications for not just yourself, but for the others at Edgewood. And I can speak specifically for, for me. There's eternal benefit to these things. And this is what we're headed toward. So, okay. But now I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll tell you there's a lot of that kind of talk in First Thessalonians. But let me go back to the very beginning of First Thessalonians. So I've given, remember I said a big chunk Right, of info, little excursion into First Thessalonians. Okay, now a little tiny application. So my closing is going to be the opening for the all of the rest of First Thessalonians. Okay. Um, so the very first verse says this, Paul. Okay, so this is how we knew this was the writer. 
co-centers, Silvanus, Timothy. Remember I said this was Silas. Who's a two to the church of the Thessalonians in God. All right, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he makes this statement here. Grace to you and peace. So Paul, Savanus, Timothy, to this church. I could say to the church. Um, well, here, let me go back. Paul, Savanus, I could say, if I, if this was me writing this letter, I'd say Matt, John, uh, uh, Charity, Ashley, Katie, um, the other leadership of the church, the deacons, right? Us um, to the church of Edgewood, church of Edgewood and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this statement, it's a greeting. Um, it's a greeting and it's a greeting that is hopeful that it is true. But also that it will be true. So it's a prayer. It's a greeting. So it's a a uh, uh, a statement of this is yours. I hope it continues to be yours, and I'm praying that it will be yours. And the two things that we see here are this. Number one, grace. Greek word, charis. Unmerited, unearned favor. Blessing to you. So I pray this for you this week, Edgewood. Grace to you. May God's unmerited, unearned blessing, his favor reside on you. Can we pray that for each other this week? This is what I want to encourage you to do. Lord, we, we need your blessing. We need your favor. We need this, we need this not just for um, the the big across the board. We I, I, I get it. We're praying for the whole world. We're praying for the country. Um, Lord, let, let your favor reside on us. But Lord, I'm thinking specifically of Edgewood Church, the people that come there. Lord, I pray and I hope for, for your blessing, for your grace, your favor to be on them. Paul says the second thing here, so number one, grace. Number two, peace. Peace, uh, the Greek word means, and I don't have the Greek word here in front of me, it means uh, tranquility. Um, okay, so you're talking about tranquility. Things are in a state of calm. Um this peace, peace is with God, with you. It is peace with all those around us. Um, grace to you and peace. I pray this for you as well, Edgewood. That God's favor would be on you, but that you would be at peace. Um, think of it as... Uh, <clears throat> Oh man, what's the best word? It's it's a peace, even if you're not getting paid right now. 
man, I, I pray for you. I pray for you, but I pray not just that you'll have a paycheck. I do pray for that. But I pray as well that you will be at peace, a calm in the middle of the storm. A peace when your baby, and I know there are two in our church right now, their babies are overly fussy. Now, you might be far removed from that, but you got to remember that. Oh, what a time. Pray for you, parents that have the tiny ones that are not at peace, that you would be at peace in the middle of this storm. Pray for peace if you know someone who is sick or you're worried about whether or not they're going to get sick. That can be a challenge. But I pray for you that that God will bring that peace even in the middle of those sorts of things. A settled rest in the decisions that God makes. Maybe we ought to think about it that way. Peace. A settled rest. In the decisions that God makes, has made, is making. I hope this study of First Thessalonians will bring these two things to you. Grace and peace. Heavenly Father, I do thank you, God, again for this day. And I just pray now that you would bless um, all that are at Edgewood, Lord, whether they're listening online or if they're, um, Lord, even for the ones that don't have access to this, God, I pray for your grace and your peace uh, to be on them. I pray that you'd help us to make it through this time. Help us to grow through this. Help us to continue to trust in you through this. I pray now, God, in all these things that you, your favor would reside on us. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Thank you for listening.